I really want to parent my kids better, then you need some good parenting relationships. If you want to be a better spouse, you need some good spousal relationships. Everybody with me? Right? You don't get marriage advice from a 17-year-old single person. (laughs) And you say, oh, you can. Everybody's got some wisdom. I don't want it. I'm just saying. I'm sure we can glean something from everybody, right? But at the end of the day, you're going through some problems. You want to hear something from somebody that's been through what you're going through. And there are people sitting here today who have real life issues and the same ones you've got. Right. And so today uh, is our relationship uh, Sunday because uh, we talk about it and it's based on small groups. Now, we titled this Friends Day uh, just based on strategically. Last week was a lot of fun, right? We, it, it, how many stayed and had some fellowship with us, right? It was great. You just enjoyed. How many of you, the outcome of the Super Bowl was what you wanted? How many felt like that was the worst Super Bowl ever in the history of Super Bowls? Exactly. It was. It was. Boring. And, yeah, and again, the Patriots won again. Morons. Anyway, um, we, we had a great time last week, and if you weren't able to be here, um, I am glad that you're here today, because this is really the most important part to me, is today we get to launch, you probably saw all the tables out here, we launch our small groups, and I believe every person in here needs to be in a small group, and um, if you, if you say, well, I'm a teenager, what small group? Well, Wednesday nights, we meet here every Wednesday night at 7 p.m., and we have a small group that meets, and it's a great time for you to be a part of that and build friendships. If you're uh, an adult, if you're a man, uh, we have two or three men's groups this year. I'm leading one here on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock. I got the pulpit, so I get to share mine. Um, uh, but there's great things. Tim's doing one and different ones. There's women's groups, which are always our highly successful groups. And if you've never been to one of those, you should plug into one and connect to somebody. And small groups are important because they are your source to success. And I know, listen, I know this is one of those most difficult things to talk about because we are isolating people. We like, like, right? Leave me alone. Right? Stay out of my business. Right? Anybody ever felt like that? But you need somebody that knows your business so that they can pray with you, love you, you know, talk to you about what's going on in your life. And so uh, today I want to share on that. And I won't take, I, I, I'm going to try to do this quickly so that you can. My goal in doing it quickly is not so you can get to Denny's. My goal in, in doing it quickly is so that you can get out and look through the small groups. There are, uh, there are groups that are meeting strategically uh, this year and this semester just for a short period of time, thir- 12 to 13 weeks. Some of them are, are a little shorter than that. But one of the reasons we're doing some of the strategic things is some of you need certain things that are out there. And either whether you want to admit it or not, I'll give you one example. Uh, men's Fellowship, following that at 930 right here, is a financial piece. Everybody heard of Dave Ramsey? Right? So we'll have people from the community as well as people from the church. And some of us need that. 
right? I'll talk a little bit about that in the message today. Some of the things that we've taken on as part of our, our DNA and priority now was never supposed to be a part of it, right? But listen, God has redemptive. This is the way God works. It's like, yeah, God was trying to get your attention. Say, don't buy that. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. He's screaming up and down, right? Don't buy it. Don't buy it. And you bought it. And you're like, man, I am in, and I'm, right? I'm in trouble. Well, the redemption process of God is that, hey, uh, it's not over. We still can work with this. But now you've got to make some changes. And that's what small groups like that do. Everybody with me? All right. So that's just all for free. Uh, I'm jump right into our message today. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 22. Uh, I didn't write the scripture, put the scripture in the notes. I just want you to hear it. It literally is this idea. Jesus said, the disciples come to him and say, hey, tell us what's the great thing that we should be doing. What's the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus responds with, Two thoughts. He says, I want you, the greatest of everything is love God with everything you are. But he said, the, 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 the next thing, you can't separate it. it it's, it's, it's the same. He says, the, the second one is just like it. So, meaning there's not just one great thing to do. There's, there's actually two things. And he says, in everything written in the Bible... On all the law, all the prophets, everything you can, everything written in this book, hang these two commands. And that is love God and love people. I think sometimes what we do is we, we uh, I was just talking about this to somebody the other day. We love God in our religious idea. And then, uh, right, we're, we're on our way to heaven. And I want you to hear my heart today. And please don't take this the wrong way. But I'm going to say something a little str- tough here. And that is that one of the things about Friend Day to me is that, uh, some of us, uh, sometimes we, we invite, but we, we're, we're not as excited about it ourselves. And I, you need to get this in your spirit. If, number one, if you don't have lost friends, you need to go get some. It's true. Because if you don't, you're not like Jesus. Jesus hung out with people who were like that. All right? And if you say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, man. I don't hang out with people like that, those Democrats. No, I, <laughs> I was just kidding. I, I, I don't hang out with people like, well, you need to start hanging out. I'm not saying do what they do. I'm saying be what God is in you Amen. to them. The second thing you need to do is you need to start compelling people and being a part of that as being that, that the greatest thing that ever happened to your life that changed your life is something you want everybody around you to have. And you need to get that in your spirit. And I think sometimes we kind of come to church and we like, hey, I'm going to heaven. Let everybody else go to hell. I told you I was going to say something hard. I prepped you for it, so don't get shocked. Um, and I'm, I'm just here to say, hey, it's important. It's important to, to me. It's important to God. It's important to this church. It's important to success is that we look for people that need to know it. Because why? You say, why? Because we love God, but we also love them. And those are two things that we, Jesus said you can hang everything written in the Bible on those two things. As a matter of fact, he said, if you really want people to know that you're what I want you to be, my disciple, it'll be because you love each other. It'll be because you love people, whether they look the part or they don't look the part. Okay, somebody says, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Sometimes people will say, well, 
you know, I, I hear people say, well, you know, they're just so much better than me, or that, that person, they, they do something better, or this or that. I, I'm just not quite as good. Listen, I'm just going to tell you something. There is nobody in this room better than me. And I am no better than anybody else in this room. Right? See, it's the kingdom of God. We're advancing that. Right? And so every time somebody says, well, um, yeah, but pastor, you're being cocky. I'm not being cocky. I'm just simply saying that every person in here, right, if you wore pants today, you put them on one leg at a time. Right? And I'm not, you say, no, I jumped in mine. Okay, great. Um, My thing is, my thing is, is that I'm not taking a back seat to anybody, and I'm definitely not taking a back seat to the devil. When it comes to relationships, the reason I think it's important is because Jesus said, not, don't just love me with your religion. Don't just love me. Oh, you come to church because I, I, I show God I love him. Love each other. Love people around you. Because by that, by that that's how people are really going to know that you're, you're mine. Is that okay? All right, so the Bible has many passages uh, dedicated to, to having people in our lives that will help us grow, give us advice, right? Uh, encourage us, help us to become better leaders, better people, better parents, better uh, keep us accountable maybe in our walk with God. And it also tells us that there are some pitfalls to life that if we don't build relationships, if we get off by ourselves, and I've often said it like this, if the shepherd, right, Jesus is a shepherd and you and he is, you're, you're part of the sheep pen, if you would, if you take a sheep that's kind of like, oh, I'm just over here grazing, it's over here, and it gets away from the, the herd, who, who's looking for that one? The wolf, right? Because as long as the herd is around the shepherd, the wolf is at bay. But when one gets out there along the fence line, got his head through the fence, eating off the grass, of the other side, and the shepherd's leading the sheep over here, I can promise you what, somebody's looking at that one. And that's what the enemy does. He tries to isolate us because he knows that the moment I can get you isolated, that becomes lunch. That's dinner. And I think the enemy's done that to so many of us in the church world where we all of a sudden got isolated. And next thing you know, we got hurt. Right? We got hurt. And what does hurt people do? They hurt people. All right? So God, there's some pitfalls to it. And that's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, he says, I don't want you to give up meeting together. And he's not talking about this, right? I think sometimes we thought, well, he's talking about the corporate gathering. Uh, That was just a given, right? We're going to meet in the synagogue, the Bible says, but we're also meeting house to house. That was the part here in Hebrews. He says, I don't want you to uh, give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and do that all the more that you see the day, and that big word day, the capitalized D, we know the day, the judgment day, the day that the, the enemy is coming against us is really what he's saying. And so on the week of small group launch, I want to convince you to make this a priority of your life. And I've tried to do this many times, and I know some of you are kind of like, I'm just not sure yet. But I want you to take a step of faith with me this, this, this semester. And really show you, I want to show you that, um, that if you, if you allow yourself to give into being a part of a small group, I want to make you this guarantee. I'm going out on a limb. I guarantee it will change your life for the better. Have any of you ever had somebody over to your house and after they leave you go, man, wasn't that fun? Anybody ever? Right? But before they got there, you're like, man... Why did we do this? Because I have to clean the house. and I'm tired of this, right? 
You laugh because you are going, I'm guilty. You've done it. Right? It's like, man, why did we agree to this? Now we're doing this. I got so much work to do. And then after everybody leaves, you're like, man, that was so much fun. I feel so much better. Right? And it's such a great. And then you, if you're married, your spouse, you're connecting better. There's some how much more peace. That was a great time. It was great fun. Right? You drive home. You talk about things. It was fun. And yet then we can't remember the next time to get together to have that same mentality. Right? And that's, that's, so I'm making this guarantee that I, I'm guaranteeing that your life, if you dedicate to it, life is going to be better. It really is. And it's not because we have great small group leaders. We have some good small group leaders. Don't get me wrong. But it's not because they're any better. That's my point a while ago. They're not any better than anybody. They just choose to be used by the kingdom, kingdom, for the kingdom of God. In and it's never God's will for any of us to be alone. Never, never has been. And yet many of us try to continue to do life by ourselves and kind of get out there and I, I, I can do this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 8 says this. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. Uh, there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Meaning uh, there, it, things he tried to substitute for real relationships didn't work. Work, hobbies, making money didn't work. He still had no content. So let's start with that question, why do it alone? I think most of us would agree that we need each other. I, think, I don't think that we would uh, disagree there. But how come many of us still, after agreeing that we do need each other, we choose to isolate or we choose not to need each other? I want to give you some reasons real quick. And the first one is, that we're inexperienced or naive to it. Um, some just assume that... Um, I think sometimes people assume that life is just supposed to be done alone. Right? It's the idea that your issues... I was raised in a home like that. Your issues are your issues, and they're not everybody else's. Your, your issues, you, you do it yourself. You make your way yourself. That's... Having someone in our lives is actually a sign of weakness. I was kind of taught that. If you have somebody in your life, it's a sign of... Let let me just say this. Actually, if you have somebody in your life, it's actually a sign of strength. There's a story. uh, I told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Muhammad Ali uh, was riding on an airplane, and he didn't didn't want to fasten his seatbelt. And the stewardess came by and said... Or, excuse me, the flight attendant came by and said... Date myself. Um, I said, hey, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Ali, you'll have to buckle your seatbelt. And he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she turned and said, Superman don't need no plane either, so buckle up. And so I think sometimes it's that mentality that we can handle things ourselves when the truth is we don't, we don't have uh, that relationship in our life, and so we don't see benefit. We don't understand the benefit. And sometimes that comes from inexperience. So here's the second one. Sometimes it's personality, right? I hear this oftentimes. This is the, this is the biggest one I hear is that, Pastor, I'm just not like that. I, I'm just not outgoing like you are. Or it's, it, it goes against my personality to invite or to talk to people or to get out. It's just out of my comfort zone. And we say things like, I, I'm just not that way. And I would say that maybe... Uh, 
maybe you should think about changing because life would be better. Isn't that the goal? Isn't the goal to have life that's the highest level of life that God called you to have here on this planet? If it is, then what is the definition of insanity? Right? Doing the same things over and over, expecting different results. And so sometimes we're thinking, yeah, I'm just not that way. Then maybe, maybe we should say that may be the way you are, but you still need to be, move beyond that insecurity, that personality, that temperament to get to where God wants you to be. And really, that is the goal. At the end of the day, to be what God wants you to be, not what you want to be, what God wants you to be. All right, here's another one. Uh, fear. Fear is always a big one that holds us back, right? Um, the thought that says, what will happen if I go there? Some of us have it before we even get there, right? Have you ever felt fear when you were invited somewhere and somebody invited you? And I, had, I remember being an introvert so much that I feared the moment pulling, into, pulling up to some place, getting out of the car and walking up there, the vulnerability of walking there alone. Have you ever felt that? You say, Pastor, you felt that? Yeah. Yeah, I felt that. Right? Getting out of the car, walking up to the door, a place you've never been. Then the fear of what, if I'm exposed for the life I really live, what's going to happen if people actually find out the way I really am? Listen, I just want to tell you this real quick. I shared this with my wife this morning. I was listening to a, a leader, and he was talking about some thoughts and leadership and he gave an example, uh, and some of you know, he's the pastor of Elevation Church, and one of the things that he, in that leadership teaching, he talked about this out, out of their 21 days of prayer and fasting, there was a, <laughs> there was one of his, people came and said, he was talking about fasting, and they came up and said, Pastor, what are you fasting? He said, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, you know, just do what the Lord leads me to do, and he kind of kept, was trying to keep it personal, and but he said, well, how about you? And the, the young lady turned and said, I'm fasting alcohol for 21 days. And he thought, yeah, that's awesome. How do, you, how do you say that? You know, I was like, what are you fasting? I'm giving up alcohol. What are you giving up? Marijuana. Um, and he kind of throws it out there like that. And I, but as, he, as he's teaching in this leadership, I just start thinking about what church would I rather attend? I, I would rather attend where people are that authentic, that genuine. Are you with me? I, I just, it just, because I remember a day where people would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you're, you're going to that church where people are, that's what they're giving. Listen, and what happened was it changed, the, the, after that 21 days, changed the life. They were going out partying and doing all these, this young person. And, and they were talking, and he shared it in a sense that after that 21 days, never touched another drop never got back involved in the party scene and how God changed their life. Right? Sometimes we want all that change, but we're, what are you willing to do to, to get there? And I thought, you know, uh, I love the thought, and he didn't bring it out like that, but I thought, I, what, I, I grew up in the church. It was, man, we would condemn you if you were like, oh, I'm giving up this. And it's like, okay, I, I'd rather be in a place where they're authentic. Authentic, genuine Christianity. And so many people are fearful if they ever came to, I mean, number one, who shares that? I don't, I don't want to share that. If I've got that issue, I don't want to share that with people, right? But she felt comfortable. 
She shared that with a pastor. Not with a whole group of people. I don't believe you're, 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 some of your things need to be shared with everybody. But you need three people just like Jesus had. Right? I think so many of us are fearful that if we ever came to the place where we did share something, that it, that, that it wasn't going to be secret anymore. Right? If I shared something, and we need, we need to get beyond that. So you need to find people that you trust. Right? There's a story um, about uh, three pastors. And the three pastors, I, I think I've shared this before too. Uh, the three pastors are, are getting together in their weekly uh, gathering. And, they, and one of the pastors starts, uh, he decided, you know, finally today I'm going to open up. I'm going to share. And he started telling about a problem that he had. And the first pastor says, hey, I got this problem with pornography. Every day I'm struggling with it. Major battle. I can't get past it. Every day I I, got to have some kind of covenant relationship with somebody in my computer. And he's like, and the second guy chimed up. He says, I'm so glad you said that. He said, I've been struggling with issues too. I've been gambling. Online gambling, going out to the casino. I actually have gone there in disguise at times because I don't want anybody to know in my church. He's like, I've been struggling with this. And the third guy goes, I'm glad you guys finally, finally came forward in this. He said, man, I've been struggling with gossip and I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> and some of us are fearful that that guy's going to show up a small group. The secret to that is just share your stuff last. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. But th- that's the fear some of us have, and that's holding us back from that place. All right. Here's another one. Past experiences, right? Our past holds us back. Things that have hurt us, people who have said things to us, did things to us, where we felt betrayed by a friend or a parent. Listen, This is what I, I really want you to understand. I wish I could really get in your head and, and inscribe this on your mind. Is that I get tickled that none of us can see beyond that. Do you think that, do you really think that those things are random? Oh, I was hurt by this person or I was rejected by that friend or I, was, I went to a small group, somebody said something. And, you, know, you think that's random? You think that's random? You think that you think the enemy just kind of randomly threw it out there, hoping that something would stick? He's scheming. He knows. He intentionally is doing and designs certain things to make sure you never have what I'm talking about. He's strategic about it. There's a reason that our enemy attacks relationships. He knows that wounded people cause wounds to people. That wounds caused by people can become most, some of the most debilitating things in our life. So they know, the enemy knows, that if he debilitates you in an area of relationships, then he knows he keeps your success level with Christ at a lower level. And he knows that things I'm talking about today in small groups and doing things like that, he knows that you'll never get him plugged into it so he doesn't have to worry about you growing up in the things of God. Because how you grow in the things of God is not me preaching to you on Sunday. It's how you get together on Monday through Saturday that makes the difference in your life. That's where true discipleship happens. 
Because what I share with you today, well, you won't remember next year on February 10th. You'll know uh, what you really have impacted your life is when you get around somebody and you say, man, I am struggling with this issue in my body. And they say, hey, let me just pray with you. And then they ask you a week later, how's that thing with your body? That's the impact of discipleship. I just preached a whole sermon right there. That's good stuff. There's a reason. It's not random. It's not random. Pain is a part of every relationship. And sometimes people say, oh, I, I, because of that pain, I don't put my heart out there anymore. <laughs> but you'll never know true the love and intimacy of relationships if you don't take the risk. Anybody hot? Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's another one. Uh, the last one, this is the biggest one, Busyness. Right? I believe this is one of the most life-draining of all. I think people's lives have become uh, drained by things that God never intended. Um, I think it keeps people from having great marriages, great relationship with their kids, successful friendships, healthy bodies. Um, I actually believe, uh, and listen, I don't have anything in Scripture that can prove this, but this is just a Charlieism. I actually believe that because we become so busy, we now forsake the one thing that God said. He said, I want you to take the Sabbath and I want you to keep it holy. I want you to rest, right? And then we take this, the, the Sabbath and we do all these things on it. And I think sometimes the things that are, in, are coming against our body, now again, it's just my personal opinion. I think we could probably overcome certain sicknesses, certain things in our lives by just doing that one command better. Like, again, I probably can't prove that through Scripture, but I think maybe I could if I looked hard enough and really <laughs> twisted it a little bit. <laughs> but we let the world set the agenda for our lives. That's my point. We've said yes to everything that the world wants us to do. And many of us, and then what we say is, and the church comes and says, hey, could you? And we're like, no, man, I'm way too busy. Why? Because the agenda of the world is, in, is, is, is the bigger part of your life. Well, I know I'm, I'm stepping on thin ground here. Many of us have said yes to so many things that now we neglect the very things that were important to us when we first started out in life. And that's true for all of us, including myself. I, I guess I would just say I encourage you to analyze or take an inventory of your schedule, the stuff you invest in, much of which I'm sure you would agree does not contribute to what you're all about. I, I had to do this several years ago about television. How much time do you spend watching the shows? And I'm like, you know, I give here and there. And then how much time could you, what could you do with that time? And then I realized, man, there's so many things I can do. And there's so many things I have done. And now to keep up with all those things, I prioritize. Chuck Swindoll said it like this. I think I put it in the notes. Um, Nobody is a whole team. We need each other. You need someone and someone needs you. Isolated islands, we are not. To make this thing called life actually work, we've got to lean and support, relate and respond, give and take, confess and forgive, reach out and embrace. Since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, super capable, all-powerful hotshot, Let's quit acting like we are.
Life is lonely enough without our playing that silly role. The game is over. Let's link up. And I think I read that book. I thought that was a great quote out of there about having one another. I think it's great. God never intended us for go it, to lo- go it alone. And I think we, we all know that down deep inside. When God made Adam, right, in the first book, God said, first words, two human beings, not good. You need a helper. You need somebody to walk with you. And he made Eve. And they became a, and then what came from uh, marriage came family. And from family came community. And they had their issues and, and everybody had problems. And, but the longing for relationship was still inside of all of us and still there today. Um, years ago, I shared this thought. I'll share it again. I wasn't planning on it, but in the late 80s, early 90s, there was a show called Cheers. How many remember Cheers? How many have never heard of Cheers in your life? everybody sitting in the back row (laughs) well I'll explain it Um, Cheers was a um, a show about a bar uh, and a bar owner who was a former major league baseball player named Sam Malone I think Um, and it was based on this this idea of getting together it was community and um, there was a theme song to that uh, to that, and I'm, I don't know that I can recall it very well, but it uh, started out uh, making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Um, something about struggles, right? Anything. Uh, uh, but I remember one part, and it says, "Wouldn't you want to go where everybody knows your name, where or there's a place where every, right?" I think that's how it went, something like that. Um, and always, they're always glad you came. Uh, you want to be where people can see the struggles that you're going through, that they're, they're real, right? You want to be in a place where everybody knows your name. And I thought, you know, how amazing is that, that the world understands that, but the church doesn't. The church knows, like we're teaching on small groups today, but many people will ignore that thought, but the world knows it. And how bad, in my opinion, that there's more joy, more support, more encouragement in the local bar than there is in the local church. That's not God's way. I'm just telling you. I don't think God ever intended it. I'm not saying that's, uh, that's the worst thing in the world. I'm just telling you, I don't think that was God's intention ever, that you get more support, more encouragement, more joy out of going and finding those people than you would in the body of Christ on a Sunday morning. I think it should be life-giving. I think when you walk out there and you see one of these tables and then you show up on a Saturday morning or a, a Tuesday night or a, a Thursday or a Friday and you receive the things of God or you just run with somebody or you go through a, a financial thing, I think there's support in that. There's joy in that because you know there's an overcoming spirit in relationships. I don't think God ever intended it to be. There's, there should be more safety, more encouragement, more expect, expectation, and more acceptance. How about that one? Oh, I can't believe you did that. You have a struggle with pornography. Oh, you have a struggle with uh, uh, this. You have a struggle with that. You're not the person we should be telling then. I know. I'm like, Pastor, I'm sure glad I didn't bring my friend today. 
I'm just, I'm, and I'm not trying to be just the, the, the heart. I'm just trying to, I want you to hear my heart. I'm trying to be a good shepherd. And tomorrow's my birthday, so I might as well just say what I want to say. <laughs> See, that's small groups are vital. Not just big weekend service, or, but a church of small groups where people do life together. Where it's not just a crowd, but a small number of people who actually love and care for each other. You say, well, pastor, that's a click. Listen, you have personalities that you love. I hope I fit into some of that. I do, but I know I'm not the personality and flavor of every person in this church. I know that. I'm a high type A personality run. I'm, a, I'm, I'm like Peter with Jesus, right? We'll cut off somebody's ear and then pray for healing later, right? I, I'm ready to move. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You can ask my family. I'm not, I, I hate waiting at red lights. This morning I went to work out. There was nobody, but the light was red. I just did my thing, right? We do free market small groups, meaning we don't care why you gather. Coffee groups, prayer groups, book clubs, sporting groups, men's groups, women's groups, kids groups, parenting groups, financial groups. I don't care. However it is you meet, meet. Get together. Get together. And you'll genuinely grow. I make that guarantee. It's my vision for every person in the church to be a part of a group. The biggest reason is, again, I'm trying to be the responsible pastor, responsible shepherd, to actually care for this body of believers. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says, Since we are all one body in Christ, somebody in Christ, we belong to each other, and each other to us. Each of us needs all the others as well. There's a teaching that I heard several years ago. Unfortunately, the, I prepared some notes about four, five years ago, and I was either ill on that Sunday or I was out of town. And so I handed them off to my right-hand guy. He shared the notes for me, but I actually revised that, and I want to share that with you. Have you been... Here, for the last couple of weeks, you've probably heard me talk a little bit about it. It kind of correlates with the DISC personality thing. And it is said that there's basically four aspects of our interactions with other people. And I think this is very true. And oftentimes, for many, only the first one is revealed publicly. The only one we ever reveal publicly, many of us, is the first one. And I believe that small groups is the only one we're all for... Um, show how there's a need. I, I, think, I think small groups are it. I, I actually do. I, that actually can touch all four areas. Small groups is the only thing on the planet that can touch all four areas of these. So I'm going to give them to you real quick. The first one is the arena of life. This is what I know and what you know. Right? This is what you see. Today you see me. I see you. When you walk through the door, if I greeted you or somebody greeted you, said, hey, how are you to do? How are you today? And you said, hey, I'm doing great, right? That's the arena of life. But we really don't see some of the other parts. The arena. It's what I know and it's what you know. It's the face we all see, the public side of us. That's what we put forward. And if you have this one, then this is what you need, is you need people who really know you. 
right? I need people who know me. Not just know the, the, the arena of me, but know me. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man, which is in him. But allowing people into our lives to see every side is scary, so we create the second area, and that is the mask. It's what I know, but you don't know. Every person here, including me, hate to disappoint you today, all of us wear masks. Right? Because when you walked in the door, right, rubbing your shoulder, and you say, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing good. Oh, shoulder, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. But you didn't just tell them that you, you, you pulled a muscle trying to beat the kids in the back seat. <laughs> right? On the way to church. Right? You're trying to reach them. That's why you're doing this. <laughs> it's what I know. It's our secrets. Things no one else knows about us. Past hurts, scars, deepest fears, insecurities, big dreams, hopes, whatever. It's not just the bad. It can be the good too. And the thought is, as long as no one knows, I'm safe. Right? If nobody knows this part about me, I'm safe. And as long as you walk alone in this area, I'm just going to tell you, you're never safe. You're never safe if no one knows. Because if, if, if I have mask, you need to ask yourself, what do I need? And that is, you need people that will protect you. I have masks. I need people who protect me. So if I say to, to Bill or to Scott or to Tim or something, and I say, hey, listen, I'm wrestling with this, right? And they come back and say, hey, man, Lena, I'm praying for you. I don't condemn you. I don't look down on you. I don't think, boy, you better step down from the pulpit because you shouldn't be, right? They, they come around me and pray for me because they protect what I share, right? If I, and some of you in your, in your marriages, you need to hear that. Husbands, wives, Sometimes wives and husbands don't share each, uh, things with each other because they're not sure the reaction they'll get from the other in one, one way. And that is usually they're thinking they'll get condemned. And I'm just telling you, honesty, truth is, is the pathway to freedom. And if you can't handle the truth, you're going to keep that other person locked in bondage. That's free. All right, so you need people to protect you. Removing masks, one of the greatest secrets to getting rid of habitual sin is to have somebody that you can remove the mask with. Obviously, God forgives sin, but the word, word says if you share it with another, with one another, right? We share that sin. We, we, with, we, we find one other person. We find healing, actually, the Bible says. James 5, 16, confess your sin one to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. <laughs> Can't get that scripture any plainer. It comes like that. Number three, Here's an area all of us have is blind spots. These are things that I don't know that you do know. Right? Somebody will come to me and say, Pastor, you say, are you with me a lot? How many think I say that a lot? How many don't know? How many don't even care? <laughs> somebody said that to me the other day. I'm like, no, what? Yeah. yeah. And then somebody else agreed with them. Like, yeah, you say that a lot when you're preaching. And I do. I, okay, I, I went back and listened to some CDs. You're right, I do. <laughs> But that's a blind spot. It's a blind spot. It's what, it's what you don't know about yourself that everybody else around you knows. Right? 
All of us had that place where we're, we're sitting around and somebody says, uh, you're talking about personality, and they'll say, well, I just love it when you do this. And you go, I don't do that. And then somebody else goes, uh, yeah, I love that. I love that too about you. And you're like, I do that? And you're like, yeah, right? Or it's when you're sitting around with a group of people and they all know that you have something black in your teeth, but you don't know. That's a blind spot. Or you've got something dangling from your nose. They know, but you don't know. What do you need during that time? A friend. A friend. <laughs> you need someone to be honest with you. Hey. I got some kids that are really honest with me at times. There's no doubt about it. Right? This is what you need. You need someone that will be honest at all costs. At all cost. At all cost. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds, I said this scripture last week. I'll, I'll give you it to it out of a different version. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than any kisses from an enemy. All right, here's the fourth one. Potential. This is what I don't know, but you don't know it either. Only God knows. And he devises a plan for you to find your potential when you get together with the rest of the body of Christ. That's where potential is fulfilled. Let me say it like this. No one ever realizes their potential by themselves. None of us have ever realized a potential in an area of our life by ourselves. Alone. The more you become a part of a team, a group, your success becomes unmeasurable. Because you go back and look over the course of your life, okay? Start back when you wanted success and you were gathering. And look at where you are today. What do you owe that to? The things you did not know, the things that you do not know, the things that other people do not know, only God knows. And you associating yourself with him and you associating yourself with other people has helped you fulfill that potential and bring that potential into a place where there's success. There's an old proverb that says, when you run alone, you run really fast. But when you run together, you run really far. And it's very true. So what do I need to grow? Because you need people who will grow with you. You need people who help you grow because they're going to grow with you. And that's important. Proverbs 27, 17. Again, the scripture I shared last week is iron sharpens iron, so does So does a friend sharpen a friend. So I ask you this question. Who's on your team? Who knows your dreams? Who can nurture you or encourage you for the distance so that you can become the person that you were created to be? Who's in your twelve? Jesus had 12 on his team. And from that, he had three. That wherever he went, they went. Who's your three? That's what small groups do. They're a place to connect. They're a place to protect. And they're ultimately a place to grow. I don't want anything from you. I don't. As a pastor, I, I continue to say it. I really want something for you. My life changed. 
my life changed in every area of my life. Not when I started making more money. I started building more relationships. I started building stronger relationships. I got around people who wanted to go the same place I wanted to go, and we talk, we visit, we share, we laugh, we cry. When, I'm going to say this. Scott and Kay have been here. I think they were here before I got here. They've been here a long time. And Scott's been a close friend to me. Scott and I haven't always agreed on everything, he'll tell you. But you know what we are able to do? We've sat in rooms and we have, we have talked at each other at times to try to get a point across. But you know what we valued more than the point? The relationship. I've had, to, I've had to forgive and he's had to forgive. I've had, why? Because that's relationship. There's probably not a person in here that hasn't walked out of here at times and said, pastor said that today. I just don't know. I believe it. And that really hurt my feelings. And listen, I'm just going to tell you right up front. I'm sorry. I'll throw myself on the sword. Because I, I value your relationship. And the reason you're still here is somehow you value the relationship with me. How is Harvest Church going to grow? How do we reach that place where we, you build a building and you see lives come in and get changed? When the people in the church already show love towards each other. When they built this foundation together and they said, you know what? I'm immovable. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, he says, and everything been said, he said, I want you to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of God. That's been my heart. That's been many of your hearts. How we do that? Get together. Connect. Connect. Will you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. For everything you've placed in my heart and my spirit. Help us to share wisely. I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but I, it's in my spirit. Relationships... I, I could teach on it every day because it's something I believe in that strongly. It's how we grow businesses. It's how we become successful. It's how we have great marriages and great friendships. And it's how we raise our children to be yours and godly. It's not withdrawing, but Lord, the time gets rough and we don't know what to do. It's when we gather people around us that do that have been there I don't have all the answers God I don't one thing I do one thing I do know that is I know who holds the answers I know I can totally turn to my first position is to love you and so Father if there's someone here today that isn't in that walk with you isn't in that relationship with you that's what this service is all about to bring us into that place where we acknowledge you are my God. I just want to be adopted in. Because I want to receive Jesus as my Lord, my Savior. Because I want to love you like you love me. And Lord, help us to go beyond that. We say, well, I'm going to heaven. But God, we need people around us. Help us spur us on in the race we're running. We don't miss the mark, drift away, get off course. 
would stay firm and steadfast and planted in the things of God. I pray, Lord, today, if our heart is far from you, bring us closer. So, Lord, I, I say it like this. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me of being selfish. Forgive me of being isolated. Forgive me of being in charge when I've submitted it to you. I want what you want for me. So I surrender my life to you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for coming into my life. Lord, I give you praise for it now. Because you love me, I love you. Because I believe, Lord, you want my success in life. You want me to rise to the highest level. I'm learning to love those around me that you place in my sphere of influence. To walk with them, Lord, not to isolate from them. Help me to overcome busyness and speed, my personality, the naivety, Father, the, the idea of inexperience. Let, let me understand today.